Well, good morning. How are you guys? You good? We're in December. We made it. Now we get all month to just be excited about Christmas. I'm so excited. I broke out my Christmas plaid. I like it a lot, right? Got a Christmas plaid. I think they, they probably make a Christmas camouflage. I think I'd be into that too. So that'd be fun. I'd be all over that, right? Hey, it's, it's great to be here with you. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 8. If you would turn there in your Bibles with me, please. Isaiah chapter 8. Um, just a reminder, there are sermon notes in the bulletin that you get at the front door by the, from the greeters. And uh, those notes, you can either take notes or not. But they also have the passages of Scripture that I'll be covering throughout the, uh, the morning, throughout the sermon. And if you want to turn ahead or you know, put a little finger there, I know some of you do that. You, you like to mark your pages and get ready to go. Um, we won't go to all of those. I won't, I won't make you turn to all of those, although I'll use them. Um, but we do like to turn to those scriptures. But as always, I, the passage I start out with, um, that is the, the place we rest the whole time. So you've got to like, put your ribbon there, your little Bible ribbon, so you can go back and forth. And, uh, and at our church, we love to read the Word. We love to open the Word, and it's just really important to us that we bring the Bible, and, uh, and we open the Bible, that we read the Bible together, and, uh, and God can, can change our hearts through that. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one out of the pew rack in front of you and use that. If you don't have one at all, just feel free to take that one home, and that is our gift to you. That's now your Bible that you can learn from and grow with. So uh, anyway, we're excited. We're, we're entering into a new season, the Advent season, the Christmas season, right? Uh, we started in December. We had a great, great time on Friday night uh, of the hanging of the boughs, and uh, we had, like Chris said, about 50 people here uh, doing that. So just a, a great time to, to connect and have fellowship, and it was, it was young and young at heart and everything in between, and it was, it was great to have that. Uh, unity together, uh, focusing our hearts on the wonder of Christmas, the wonder of Jesus at Christmas. And we're starting a series today called He Will Be Named. He Will Be Named. And uh, it comes from the passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it says that, you, know, you remember the other translations, and he shall be called, right? And, and remember, he shall be named, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we will certainly be, be looking at those names of God in that, in that scripture, in that passage in verse 6. Uh, more heavily so on Christmas Eve day as we come together to worship. Uh, but, but there's a, the whole passage of Isaiah 9 and the whole Christmas story, I believe, can be, can be looked at uh, this, this month. And I, I really want us to, to see what other attributes we see in, in, uh, through God or in God uh, and in Christ as he came to save the world uh, from sin. One of the things about uh, the Christmas story, it is, it is very familiar, isn't it? It's a very familiar story. For most of us, it's a familiar story. And that's good. We're, we're content. We know what the Christmas story is. Uh, we've heard it uh, a lot through, through all the years. We've seen it on TV and in movies or uh, in cartoons or just every year at Christmas time at church. Or you, maybe your family opens the Bible and reads the story. Right? You, you have the, the story where Mary right, was a virgin and she becomes pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, who's her fiancé, they're engaged, uh, decides to stick with her and, and see this through because the angel said, yeah, you can do it. And then they go to Bethlehem because of the census, and they go there, and there were no rooms available, no place to stay, and, and it came time for the baby to, to be born, and they had to find a little spot in a stable right among the animals, and uh, he was born, and they placed him in a manger or a feeding trough. Right? He, was, he was born in a most humble of ways, almost a shameful of ways. And then they escape to Egypt, fleeing the uh, evil King Herod, who's trying to, to kill the Messiah, kill the Christ. So they escape to Egypt and then eventually find themselves in Nazareth, right? So born in Bethlehem, went to Egypt, goes to Nazareth, grows up there. And when he starts his ministry, Jesus goes to Capernaum, 
uh, by, this, by the Sea of Galilee there. So uh, we see this story, and it's like, okay, great. Then, then Jesus is on scene, and he goes, and he rescues his people from their sin by dying on the cross for their sins. But, but here's, the, here's the problem sometimes. The familiarity with the story is great. And, and it's great to become familiar and become comfortable with it and know it. But the more comfortable and familiar we become with something, the less sometimes it tends to mean to us. And I want, I want you to think about this. It's good to be familiar with it. But think of, if you're married, right? Think about how familiar you are with your spouse. And, and some of the awe and wonder that you had when you were dating or when you were first married is no longer there, is it? It's changed. That relationship has changed. And it's not that we need a new relationship, by the way. I'm not saying that at all. You don't need a new spouse. What you need is to re-examine yourself and re-examine each other and re-examine what you feel is familiar and find newness and wonder and awe again there. So this season, as, we, as we're in the Christmas, this Advent season, it's very easy for us to settle into what is familiar and take for granted the depth of the wonder and awe of Jesus and what he really did. See, familiarity robs us of wonder and of awe. And when we are robbed of wonder and awe and the familiar, our focus begins to shift because the grass is always greener on the other side. That's not always the case, is it, though? Once we become familiar with that grass, it becomes to... Uh, the, the wonder and awe begins to leave there as well. It still needs to be mowed. It still needs to be watered. The dog still goes and does his business on that grass too. Here's the truth. Wonder, whatever, whatever captures the wonder of our hearts will control the way we live. Whatever captures the wonder and awe in our hearts will control the way we live. So if we become too familiar with something that it robs us of awe and wonder, our lives will begin to look differently and seek awe and wonder somewhere else. So we're going to examine this familiar Christmas story, and I hope it's examining it deeper so it's new and fresh. And we're going to look for the ways and look at the ways that he will be named and that he was named to be the hope of our lives and the wonder of our hearts. Are you ready for that? I'm excited for that. Let's pray and we'll get to work in the scriptures. Father, we, we do want to see the wonder and awe in you fresh and new every day. And as we approach Christmas, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in commercialism, God, even in family events. And we just hear the familiar story, but we don't let the awe and wonder of that story affect our lives and our hearts. So we ask you to do that for us that we would see you and find you in awe and wonder. And we would worship you from a heart that wants to overflow towards you out of thankfulness for the grace you've given us. As we look to your scripture today, we ask that you would impart wisdom to us, that your spirit would guide us into truth and away from disobedience, God, that you would challenge us in the way we think, and that you would change us to look more and more like the son Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in Isaiah chapter 8, and we'll begin in verse 19 and read through uh, into chapter 9, verse 2, and then down to verse 6. When they say to you, consult the spirits of the dead and the spiritists who chirp and mutter, shouldn't a people consult their God? 
Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. They will wander through the land, dejected and hungry. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness, and the gloom of of affliction, and they will be driven into thick darkness. Chapter 9. Nevertheless, the gloom uh, of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. To the people walking in darkness, or sorry, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. In verse 6, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. So today we're going to take a look at the first part of this, and it was really a struggle as I knew I wanted to, to look at this passage of Isaiah, and I didn't want to go too far because there's lots to cover in the next five weeks. Uh, I, I was getting a little depressed about this doom and gloom that we see at the end of chapter 8 and in the beginning of verse, uh, chapter 9, but that's where we're stuck today. We can't just skip that part of it. It's part of the story. It's part of the examining this deeper depth of awe and wonder of God. And, and what I see in this, as, as we look at this, there is a name that he is called or he will be named. It's interesting about that, too. Uh, when we say he will be named, it's almost like you, you go to a coach and say, okay, you send your best player out and you send your best player out. And we're waiting here. I wonder who they're going to name. Who are they going to name as the champion? Who are they going to name as their best? Who are they going to send to us? And there you see Jesus there raising his hand, I'll be named, I'll be named. So that's one aspect of how he will be named. The other aspect is there's actually a name given to him because he's powerful, right? Because he is God and that he is eternal father, that he, he has the all in all to do everything he wants to do. And under that, that authority and power, we see some other attributes too. And, that, and today that's what I want to look at, is as Jesus raises his hand saying, yeah, I'll be named, what will he be named? And today... We're going to look at this name, Willing. He will be named Willing. He's willing to raise his hand and say, I'll be the one. And, and, and that, number one, let's go to that. He's willing to battle the darkness that rebellion has caused. He's willing to battle the darkness that rebellion has caused. Let's look at our, our passage again, starting in verse 19 of chapter 8. When they say, consult the spirit of the dead or the spiritists that chirp and mutter, shouldn't the people consult their God? So Isaiah was saying, shouldn't they be checking somewhere else? Why are they doing this? Right? There's a folly. There's, a, there's, there's a, an error in the way that they're pursuing their life. Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. They're saying, these guys are in trouble. They're in bad, bad shape for what they're doing and the way they're going. Verse 21, they will wander through the land, dejected and hungry, and when they are famished, they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress, darkness and the gloom of affliction, and they will be driven into thick darkness. It's pretty, pretty bad, isn't it? It's a pretty bad state of affairs, and we like to oh, it's baby Jesus in a manger. No, it's a pretty dark, dark place. And we see the willingness We see the willingness of Jesus to battle and raise his hand in in this next verse, in this first word. 
What is it? Nevertheless, however, I'm not finished. I'm ready to do something different. Although this was happening and taking place, and this is what you have done, I am willing to come and fight on your behalf. And that is our great, great God. God is ready to stand up and fight for us. This passage sets up the depth of darkness and rebellion that's found in stubborn, sinful hearts. Any of you fit that category, a stubborn, sinful heart, right? You've been there? Yeah, we rebel and we're stubborn and we have sinful hearts. And God's creation, you and I glory almost in its own pleasure and our own desires rather than a willingness to obey and reflect God. And while you and I have an unwillingness to obey and reflect God, Jesus is saying, nevertheless, I am willing. I am willing. You see this progression of what happens. We start to consult others. We say, well, I know God's busy. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'll find, I just don't even want anything to do with God. I'm going to throw him aside. And I go find someone that's going to mutter and chirp at my, at my ear. Do you really want that? Do you really want someone that's just going to be chirp, 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 mutter, 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 mutter? And that's, that's what they've done. No, God, no, we know you want to be clear. You're going to be truthful and honest, and we can follow you and understand, and we can get it. No, I don't want that. I want something else that will take me to a place I shouldn't be. And we all do that, and we've all done that. Some of you might be there right now. You've been listening to unwise counsel for months. And what you really need is the truth. You need a friend who loves Jesus and loves the word to say, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. You need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Demolish those strongholds that, that Satan is trying to get into your life. That's, that's what God wants for you. Not the chirp, not the mutter. And sometimes it's not that we go somewhere else to, to get the answers. We just go inside of ourselves and say, well, I, I'll figure it out on my own. And we chirp and we mutter at ourselves, don't we, instead of God. And it's interesting how we turn away from God. We turn away until. There's a transition word there, too, isn't there? Until. Why is there an until? Well, it's until we need somebody to blame. That's what we do, right? We've turned away from God and said, God, this rebellion decision that I've made has created in me this wandering and and this despair and this turns into this darkness And then when I'm there, I just get mad. And I turn to you and say, why did you do this? How dare you, God? I'm in such a bad place that you caused this. And see, it's it's appropriate for you and I, if we turn from God and, and lead to darkness, to turn back to him at some point. But not to blame and ridicule and throw stones. But to humble ourselves and say, God, I know. By the way, God can handle our honesty. If you want to blame God, you can do that. He can listen to that. But if you want to change that darkness and that gloom and that, that despair in your heart, you've got to humble yourself and come to the place and say, you know, I, I caused this. I did this. God, you've only had my best interest in your heart. And we turn to him in faith and say, God, I, I want you. But instead, we turn to him and curse him and blame him. And then we, cur- we curse him and we turn away from our rescue. He's the rescue. and We go to blame him and then we turn away and we go away in gloom again. It becomes this relentless pursuit, one after another, of pursuing anything but God. Anything but God. Because the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants. And if you're in a place where you feel like he's stealing, killing, and destroying, he's having the victory. you got to curse him and go to God. 
You tell him, you get out of here. I'm going to the light. I'm going to the truth. And then that word comes up. This darkness is here and the thief kills, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Nevertheless, Jesus. Amen? Keep your finger here. Turn to the book of John, the Gospel of John. In the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. <clears throat> Chapter 10, please. I want to show you this willingness here. And I want to show you this, this also this place of, of darkness, but also versus the place of, of safety that we have in Christ. When we come to him in truth and honesty, there's, a, there's a, a submissiveness that we have to him and a provision that he provides. And when we don't, there's not. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 7 through 11. Jesus said again, I, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You've got to come through me. Stop turning to other pursuits. And when you do, all who, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. Why? Because they're in my protection. They're in my provision. They, they, they know the sound of my voice. They trust the sound of my voice. You and I, some of you have to get in that place. We have to get in that place where we listen and we can hear God's voice and, and trust the shepherd. Amen? Trust that what he's saying is the truth. But before we trust him, before, as we're cursing him, we're those sheep on the outside. And, and guess what? Satan can steal, kill, and destroy because we don't know who to trust. We don't know what's truth. <clears throat> and he goes on. He says, the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. That sounds nice, right? But verse 10, a thief comes to, only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it in abundance. And verse, verse 11, it's that that raising his hand, right? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen? That's, that's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking for is Jesus. To say, I am willing. I am willing to battle. I am, I am willing to battle the darkness and re that rebellion has caused in your heart and your life. If you just come to me, don't just curse me. Come to me in faith and trust me. Walk through my gate and I'll, I'll give you a good pasture. And you'll start recognizing my voice and you'll You'll respond to my voice and not the enemy's voice anymore. <clears throat> He's the one that's willing to battle the darkness that sin and rebellion has caused. Despite our rebellion, Jesus was willing. Before the foundations of the world, as he eternally existed as God in three persons, he was willing to rescue and call his sheep to life and to light. He's ready for that. And see, that's what sets up our Christmas story. Isn't that wonderful to know that despite you and despite me, despite our darkness, Jesus is willing. Well, how else is he willing? Number two, he's willing to be the hope on the horizon. He's willing to be the hope on the horizon. Uh, go back to your Isaiah passage, Isaiah 9, uh, verses 1 and 2. Nevertheless, right, I'm willing, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that in the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. It's dawned. It's on that horizon. Don't you love that? Don't you love it when you can see the light is coming? That there, there's hope? There's light at the end of the tunnel, we say, right? We're looking forward to that. See, Jesus knows and sees that our heart's need is to just a transition or be transferred 
from the power of darkness into the hope and strength of his light. That's where it needs to go. Transfer our hearts and our hearts' affections into the hope and strength of the light of Christ. And there is strength in the light, isn't there? There is strength in the light. I want to share a story with you from, from last night. I shared a lot of stories about my daughter, right? But my son's becoming old enough to really participate in conversation and, and be funny. Who's laying on the floor sleeping almost right now? But anyway, he uh, <laughs> a great kid. I, I want to share last night, okay? And it's, it's this idea of the strength in the light. So in the middle of the night, and, and Wesley wakes up, and he, you hear him crying. and He's saying, Daddy, Mama, boogers, boogers, Daddy, Mama, boogers. And when he says that, he means he has boogers. He has, he's worked himself up. He's got snot rolling down his face, and he's got, you know, or just maybe a little booger. He's kind of picky that way, right? So, so I, we go over there, and, I, and I'm like, oh, it's dark. I don't, I don't want to turn the lights on and wake him up more. I want him to go back to sleep. So I'll just I'll fumble, and I ask, ask my wife, where's the Kleenex at? Okay, okay. So I'm in, I'm in, I'm looking, I'm going to my son, and I'm, I'm touching things, I'm knocking things over, and I'm trying to find like a Kleenex somewhere, and I, I find a Kleenex, and he, my son's sitting up in his bed, and I go over there, and I'm, I'm trying to find now his nose, right? And I go over, and I, oh, that's not his nose, and he's like, Daddy, you poked my eye, Daddy, you poked my eye. I'm like, oh, poor kid, right? I'm like, sorry, son, and I look, I find his nose finally, and he's, he's been reaching for me and, t- and grabbing for me and, and trying to share whatever he's got. Right, and, and he, <laughs> well, his boogers, he loves to share his boogers. And so he, I get over there, and, and he, he finally, okay, so I blow your nose, he blows his nose, and I wipe his, his schnoz real good in his mouth, and, and we're done, right? We're good. Okay, okay, we're good. Rest and go, lay back down on your pillow, son, it's okay. And, and I'm all the time, like, I should just turn the lights on. I'm poking him in the eyes, I'm knocking things over. And then I, I, I go back to bed, or towards bed, and I, I'm like, feeling wet. I'm like, what is on me? And, and there's just snot and boogers all up and down my arms and he just he got me he schnozzed me right it was not a good thing I, and someone last some yeah someone last service said i i'm now the booger man right in the middle of the night i'm the booger man but yeah i, I got i got it and i i got what was coming to me because i didn't let there be light or just turn on a night light or something right and you're in the middle of the night i'm i want to sleep well before i get up on sunday morning and it's just one of those things, right? There's so much power in the light. There's so much, I mean, it's just so much power. No knocking stuff over. You grab, you go, you're done, you're clean. It's, we're good. Go back to sleep, right? I don't poke my son in the eye. There's power. There's power in the light. And, and, and sometimes I think you and I think it's too far away to reach. It's off in the distance. Yeah, it's on the horizon. And, and Jesus promised that. And when he pro- made this promise and this prophecy in Isaiah, yes, it was farther down the road, but they could still cling to the hope of that light that day. And for you and I, are, are on this side of Jesus, we reach back to the hope that we have in him and what he's already accomplished for us and that he will come back again. Right? There's hope in that, in the light. There's power and strength in the light. Right, turn to Colossians chapter 1 in your Bibles. Colossians so after the Gospels, you're going to have Acts and Romans and Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Philippians, Colossians, sorry. Uh, chapter 1, Colossians 1, we'll begin with verse 11 and read through uh, 14. This, this shows this depth of the strength that we have in the light when we run to the light. One eleven. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, 
giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. So we're inheriting this light and this power and strength in that. Verse 13, he has rescued us from the domain of what? Darkness. He turned the light on. There's strength in this. And transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen? See, there's, there's redemption in the light, there's hope in the light, there's power in the light, there's strength in the light, there's freedom in the light, and we tend to turn the lights off. We want the lights on. And there needs to be an urgency with which we pursue the light. When everything seems dark, there is a rescue. It's the light of Christ. Another great story that happened this week at our home. We had a, a mama bear visit our home with her two cubs. I, there's lots of stories, lots of reasons I don't like bear, and we're not going to go into that today. I just, I, you know, I like them away. I like to see them. They're pretty, but don't be in my area. This is my bubble, right? So my wife had gone out to, to feed the horses at the house, and, and she, she walks outside, and as soon as she's out, about that quick, she's back in. Oh, bear, bear. There's a bear. I, I think I treated it. It's a bear. Okay, there's a bear. Like, looking out there, and we walk out. The kids are inside. They want to see. No, no, you stay here. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, making my wife go in front of me. I'm looking, right? <laughs> And trying to flashlight. We see these, we see these bear. There's a, there's a mama bear, a big bear, just around this oak tree. And her two cubs in the branches above. Like, oh, yeah, those are bear. Those are bear. And our garbage, of course, is right there all out for them because they were eating whatever they wanted. And so they, they climb down the tree and they run off. So it it's just kind of sets the stage of what's going on at my house this week. And, uh, and they had been there the day before because the garbage was, again, all over. And we didn't know if it was a bear at that point. Um, so these bear are around. And so we go back out there and I'm, I'm scared. I've got, a, I've got like my shotgun and I'm, I'm just worried. Like I have to cover for her. She goes to feed the horses. Are they coming back? There's still garbage here. It smells like something I think they want to eat. Like I just, I, and I'm standing there with the headlights on nervous as I'll get out. I do not like bear. Okay. I don't like that. But something I, I like about what the bear has created in me, a fear is a desire for security, a desire for the light. So the next day, or maybe two days later, my daughter and I are coming out of the house, and I think, I think we're going to Team Kid, maybe on Wednesday, and uh, it was dark already, because it gets dark early now, and, and we're, we're going out of the house, and we get out, just, we step down, we have the, a door, and then a, a screen door, and uh, we step down, and I said, okay, and I've already gone out and opened Bailey's door, I said, okay, Bailey, let's go, let's, let's get to the car, we gotta watch out for those bear, right? And really, I didn't say that to freak her out, I just, I was already freaked out. <laughs> I'm, I'm like looking around, like, I, I got to be the tough one. She's a little one, like, but she can outrun me. I don't know, you know. So I, I'm like, we got to get to the car. Let's get to the bear. And as soon as I said, watch out, we got to watch out for the bear, that girl left where I was at and ran down the sidewalk 20 feet to our car. I'd never seen her get in the car so quickly in the back seat and like buckled in. And I'm walking over. I'm like, okay, am, is my, am I scared? What's going on? What's, am I worried? And I get to the car, and I usually buckle her in, which is, which is wonderful, because I'm buckling her in, and my back is to the bear, right? But she was so gracious. She said, Daddy, Daddy, don't worry about it. I'll buckle myself. You just get in, get in the car. Oh, thank you, sweetie. So I did that, right? I got in the car. Then we got back from Team Kid, and I'm, I'm, it's, now we're a little more tired, right? We got to get ready for bed and get ready for the next day, and it's, it's still dark, dark, dark. This is the time to bear her out. But I wasn't so worried about it. I kind of get out of the car, and I open the door, and and start letting Bailey get out. I, you know, I unbuckle her, and, and she's taking her sweet time, right? So I'm like, Bailey, what are you doing? we got to get inside. we got to watch out for those bear. I'm like, now I know it's going to move her. 
Sure enough, she's in the, in the house. She's done. She is in the house, and we are good to go. But here's the, here's the truth that I gleaned from this. One, I'm a scaredy cat, right? right? But I should probably have a healthy respect for Bear. But the, here's the other thing. Not only is there light on the horizon or security on the horizon, you and I ought to have an urgency, right? A giddy-up in our step that wants to be there. That doesn't want to settle in the middle of the sidewalk in the dark waiting for the attack. That we want to get out of that position and move into the light where we can be held and secured by Jesus. And see, that's what he is. He's that one willing to say, I'm willing. I'm willing to be the place you can rest. I'm willing to be the place that you'll be feeling like rescued. Where you'll be in the light. Where you'll be secure. Let there be an urgency to our step. Not a, well, one day. I know, I know he's going to return one day. I know, he, I know he's got my best interest at heart. One day I'll be out of this season. One day. No, today is that day. Today is that day to move your heart from there and to move forward and let him change everything from within. He's willing to be the strength and hope and light that we need. Finally, number three, he is willing to be the Savior for all. He's willing to be the Savior for all. Verse 1 again. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. There's this region in Israel called Galilee. And it's a place that our Savior was from, right? He was born in Bethlehem, and that fulfilled prophecy. But then he went to Egypt, and then from there he went to Nazareth in Galilee. And he grew up in Nazareth, and then after Nazareth, and after John the Baptist was, was killed, and he started a, a full-on ministry, he went to Capernaum at the top of the Sea of Galilee where he was, was stationed. And that's, that's where the headquarters of Jesus' ministry was, out of Galilee. And it fulfills the prophecy here. And, and next week we're going to talk more in depth about the light and about the f- fulfillment of that prophecy, uh, being in Jesus and what he was there for. But understand this. The religious leaders of the day in Israel considered Jerusalem the sacred. Not only was it their religious right and their religious authority all stemmed there, they, they, were, they were awesome. And anything that was going to be awesome for Israel should come from awesome. right? And we talked about that last week, right? The I love being awesome can. I think it's still, it's still here. Right? I love being awesome. That's, that was the Pharisees. That was the religious teachers of the law. So when this prophecy goes out, it's a prophecy warning and saying, listen, you think you're so good, and you think they're so bad. Yeah, and he described, yep, they are so bad. But in the future, I will bring honor that comes out of Galilee. I will, I will reverse and bring honor from Galilee. And, and see, that's how Jesus was, wasn't he? He wanted to shake up the institution. He wanted to shake up those who were, were religious they held on to religion and not a true relationship with Christ, right? A relationship with God through obedience and through, and through prayer, right? They were holding on to their, their, their rights of religious activity. And that's why they were awesome. But they weren't. And the prophecy says that one day out of, out of Galilee, something awesome will arise. And even when it did, remember what Andrew said or questioned? He's from Nazareth? What did Andrew say? Can anything good come from Nazareth? That's in Galilee. They, they all are expecting something awesome from awesome and something from Galilee. Well, just to be dirty and gross, right? And like, okay, we, not a lot of expectations there from Galilee. But God does, doesn't he? He will bring honor and it will, it will be 
in spite of the prideful Jewish leaders. And he will bring honor from Galilee in the form of Jesus. And something good would come from something bad. And something redeeming would come from something rebellious. Amen? That's what God was doing. And he did it to show that he would be a savior for all, for anyone who would believe. Anyone. It wasn't just the Jewish religious leaders right. It was to anyone who would believe. Turn to our last scripture. We're, at, we're done with Isaiah. Turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll read our last passage. <clears throat> Matthew, Mark, Luke. It will be Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. While you're doing that, I will. I'll read John 3.16. I, I want us to understand this, that he, he's willing to be the Savior of all. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, a willing Jesus that was named willing. He gives one and only Son that everyone, just wait, is that everyone? Right, Everyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It was not just the religious Jewish leaders of the day. It was not those who were not from Galilee. It was that anyone and everyone who believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that is the best promise that we can hold on to. Let's go to, to Luke chapter 2. There's a wonder. There's a wonder and awe in the willingness of God in Christ. Beginning at verse 8. This is our Christmas story, by the way. This is our familiar. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people, all people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. Amen to that. See, Jesus in his birth and, and this time of the year as we looked at Advent, this is all about Jesus being willing to say, put me in, coach, right? I'm going in. I'm willing to be the Savior of all. And he was willing. I want to read a devotion to you. I, I, I ordered this in thinking through our Christmas series, and it's a devotion uh, written by Paul David Tripp, and uh, it's called Come Let Us Adore Him. Uh, it's an Advent devotion. You can read It's a couple pages long each day, and you could, you, I, I encourage you to do that with your family. You get, get one that you like and use it. I really am liking this so far, and I'd encourage you to check it out. Um, here it goes. This, this is a, a, a devotion from within. One of the dark character qualities of sin that we don't recognize as much as we should is unwillingness. We're often unwilling to do what God says if it doesn't make sense to us. We're often unwilling to inconvenience ourselves for the needs of someone else. We're regularly unwilling to wait. We're often unwilling to be honest. We're, we're too often unwilling to consider, loving, uh, consider the loving rebuke of another. We struggle to be willing to say no to our own wrong thoughts and desires. We often struggle to be willing to answer God's call into ministry. Often we are unwilling to admit that we're wrong. Anyone there? Yeah. Too often we struggle to serve willingly and to give generously. Unwillingness is one of the sin's most powerful and damaging results. 
So here's what the Christmas story is about. A willing Savior is born to rescue unwilling people from themselves because there is no other way. Jesus was willing to leave the splendor of eternity to come to this broken, groaning world. He was willing to take on human flesh with all its frailty. He was willing to endure a, a, a very humble birth in a stable. He was willing to go through the dependency of childhood. He was willing to expose himself to all the hardships of life in this fallen world. He was willing to submit to his own law. He was willing to do his Father's will at every point. He was willing to serve when he deserved to be served. He was willing to be misunderstood and mistreated. He was willing to endure rejection and gross injustice. He was willing to preach the mes a message that would cause him personal harm. He was willing to suffer public mockery. He was willing to endure physical torture. He was willing to go through the pain of his father's rejection. He was willing to die. He was willing to rise and ascend to be our constant advocate. Jesus was willing. You see, it's not just the Christmas story. Rather, the entire redemptive story that we want to find awe and wonder in hinges on one thing, the eternal willingness of Jesus Christ. Without his willingness, you and I would be without hope and without God. Without his willingness, he would, uh, he would be left with a power, or we would be left with a power and curse of sin. Without his willingness, we would be eternally damned. During this season of celebrating, don't forget to stop and celebrate your Savior's willingness. His willingness is your hope in life, death, and eternity. But there is even more to be said. The Advent willingness of Jesus is your guarantee that He continues to be willing today. Right here, right now, He is willing to love you on your very worst day. Right now, He is willing to forgive you again and again. Here and now, He is willing to be patient uh, as you continue to grow and mature. Right now, He is willing to battle on your behalf against evil within and without. Here and now, He is willing to teach you through His Word. Now, He is willing to supply every one of your spiritual needs. Now, He is willing to be faithful even when you are not. He, right now, is willing to empower you when you're weak and to restore you when you're fallen. He is willing to comfort you when you're discouraged and to protect you when you've stepped into danger. And He remains willing to do everything necessary to feed, guide, sustain, and protect you until eternity is your final home. You see, the Advent story reminds us that our past, present, and future hope rests not on our willingness, but on the willingness of the one for whom the angels sang, the shepherds worshipped and the magi searched. Willing Jesus is the only hope for unwilling sinners. Amen. Well, as we close today, I want you to think that and be glad that Christ was named willing. And he's willing to do what you and I, the rebellious, could not do. As we continue through Advent, may our hope rest and celebrate the willingness of our great God, who is mighty to save. Amen? All right, let's stand and have prayer together. <clears throat> Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for, for what you're revealing to us. God, it is, it is our desire that we, we not become too familiar with this, this ancient, wonderful story that is so relevant for us today, and so real today, and so alive today that we miss out on the wonder our hearts need to embrace. Help us examine deeply 
the depth of our own rebellion and sin. And let us see the, the light on the horizon in Christ, that there's a willing Savior that we can run to, jump into with, with urgency, jump into his arms and find rescue for our souls. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and the grace we've been given. And we celebrate and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's an opportunity now to worship, right? An opportunity to respond to the heart of God and to what your heart needs to do. If you need prayer, I'd love to pray for you. Maybe your friend next to you would love to pray for you too. Maybe you need to pray where you're at and just kneel down or stand up or raise your hands, whatever it might be. And, and, and some of you need to sing. And as you sing it out, as you, as you worship God, worship from the, from the bottom of your heart, giving him honor and position, not just familiarity. Not, don't, 